this is Carl Bastian coming to you from Kidology.org. And yes, this is Kidman Talk. And this is the 89th episode. I'm really excited about today because I'm sharing with you the second in an awesome series I'm doing of keynote messages that I gave at the awesome Kidman Conference in Winnipeg, Canada. Last week we talked about our awesome God. And if you have not heard that podcast, you need to go back and you need to listen to it. And hey, today is the second one, and it's about our awesome opportunity. We have this incredible opportunity to fulfill the calling that God has on our life, and it is amazing. So I hope you're in a place where you can relax, and you can soak in, and you can enjoy, because this podcast, this message is going to equip and encourage you in your children's ministry. So let's talk Kidmin. Hey, good morning. I'm so glad to be back. Last night we talked about our awesome God and just how awesome he is. And then the irony that even though we believe how amazing, incredible he is, we get stressed out and worried and we forget how amazing our God is and that he stands behind us and he goes with us to help us through whatever life throws our ministry or our own personal life. Well, this morning we're going to transition. We're going to talk about what is the awesome opportunity that God gives us. Now we've partnered with this awesome God, but he has an awesome plan for our life. We have this incredibly awesome opportunity to live out the plan that God has for your life. Our theme this morning is only you. Only you can fulfill God's plan for your life. And so often we we look at others and we we envy or we admire or somewhere in between. Wow, God's doing such amazing things in their life. And we forget that God wants to do amazing things in our own life. In the first chapter of Jeremiah, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart. God has a plan for each and every one of us. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I referenced this last night. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plan to give you a hope and a future. You know, one of the cool things about going to Bible college and seminaries, you kind of get into the original languages. And one of the things I was excited to discover as I studied this verse in the Hebrew is that the the word for plans in this passage is literally thoughts. It's not a wrong translation when we think we're making plans, we plan, we're thinking. But I love that in the Hebrew it says, I know the thoughts I think about you, declares the Lord. And when he thinks about you, it's plans for good and not for harm. Isn't it mind-blowing to think that this awesome God that we tried to describe last night actually thinks about you? Thinks about you. He thinks about me. I I would think he's got more important things to think about. And yet, he thinks about you. And when he thinks about you, he thinks incredible plans. God has an awesome plan for your life. And your opportunity is to seize that. Back when I was a a young Bible college student um, at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, I came across a book. It's out of print today. I'm always trying to buy it up on Amazon so I can give it to young people that I'm mentoring today. But it was called The Intentional Minister. And the purpose of this book was to say that there's a lot of things you can do with your life, a lot of good things, but there's only one thing that God created you to do. And if you can discover that and embrace that, it helps you say no to good things. 
because they don't fit your purpose. And so I really took that book to heart, and I actually dropped out of school for a week. I rented a cabin in Michigan, took my Bible and my guitar, the two ways I love to worship, and my camera. I meant to say my Bible, my camera, and my guitar. And I spent a week just saying, God, why was Carl Bastian created? You've created a lot of amazing people, but why am I here? And through a week of, of just prayer and reflection and seeking God, I left that week with a life ministry mission statement. The, the book called it a ministry manifesto. Today we would probably call it a life mission statement. And I left there knowing that God created me to reach and teach as many kids as possible with the good news of God's love and in the process to enlist, equip, and encourage others to do the same. And so that has been the mission that has driven me. Kidology came as a result of that, a lot of the things I do. And, and it's been really neat because... As different opportunities come, I can hear something. And how do I say no to, you know, going to Africa and making wells for kids who need water? And I say, that it's a great thing, but that doesn't fit my purpose. But there may be someone else I can guide you to or a way I can contribute. So knowing your specific purpose makes a big difference. And I would challenge you to think about that. We all have this desire for significance, right? We want to be remembered. We want to do something that will outlive us. Or maybe you think, oh, not me. There was a man that once said to a friend, you know, everyone's trying to be significant, but not I. I couldn't care less. I've gotten over that. To which his friend replied, and does that make you feel significant? You know, we, we all want to do more than just live life. As Tony Campolo once said in a book I read, we all want to do more than just arrive at death safely. You know, we want, we want to do something that matters. And I want you to know that there is a secret to how to do it. It's tucked away. In the Old Testament, there's a man by the name of Jabez. I used to love preaching on Jabez years ago. Before that guy wrote that book that sold a bazillion copies. Like, oh, I should have wrote that book. But I love his story. Because tucked away. Go ahead. If you have your Bible, open it up to First Chronicles. Just go to chapter 1. And just, just breeze through the first couple chapters of First Chronicles. In fact, if you're ever tired and you can't sleep, just get your Bible out and just start reading through First Chronicles, you won't even make it to chapter 8 or 9 before you'll be sound asleep. It's a really boring part of the Bible. And so many people do. They just start to skip through it and get to the good stuff, get to a narrative. Because it's basically just a list of people who lived and maybe how many of them there were, who begat who, who begat who. If you don't know what begat is, ask your parents. But tucked in the middle, almost exactly in the middle, is a very short story. In fact, it's only two verses long. Imagine this chronicle. He's walking down the aisles of this great spiritual cemetery, and he's reading headstones, basically. And then almost exactly in the middle sticks out one person. One person out of thousands that God decided was worthy of note. As J. Oswald Sanders wrote, when God troubles to preserve the epitaph of one man out of millions... And gives it such concise and meaningful language, we can be certain that it will repay detailed study. So we're going to look at the prayer of Jabez, found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Let me just read this to you. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Well, that's wonderful. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. And enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. 
so that I will be free from pain. And here's the best part. And God granted his request. In these two verses, we learn volumes about Jabez. His name meant pain. You know, names carried a lot of significance in those days. It may tell something about the birth or maybe the destiny of the person. Have you ever looked up the meaning of your name? Do you know what Carl means? Strong and manly. Why do people always laugh when I tell them that? It wasn't a joke. All right, fine. But our, our names today, you know, we may know the meaning of our name, but it doesn't carry as much significance. But as one commentator wrote, in a day when names were felt to have a great effect upon the character and experience of their bears, Jabez grew up with a devastating negative self-image. Every time he introduced himself, hi, I'm pain. Ouch. I cause pain. Want to date me? You know, I mean, think of the difficulty of having a name like that. But what did he pray for? He prayed for blessing. He wanted God's blessing on his life. He prayed for enlarged borders. He wanted an increased influence for God. He prayed for God's protection. He wanted God to be with him. And he prayed for God's guidance. He wanted God to be with him and protect him. You know, there's a reason that God paused and recorded this simple prayer for centuries in the future to read. It's a model prayer for us. And I love how simple and succinct it just says, and God answered his prayer. This is a prayer that we can pray and that we should pray. So we need to ask ourselves, what am I allowing to limit my influence for God and my impact in the world? We all have something. It doesn't take long as an adult to finally figure out that everybody's going through something. Everybody has challenges. You may have challenges that people know about, and you may have challenges and hindrances and hurts that nobody knows, that you hide. But they're there, and they have a very real effect on your ability to love others and to minister to others. Jabez had that. Imagine if you had his name and his heritage and some brothers who probably, if your name was Payne, were a pain in your neck growing up. He could have just resigned to, you know what, I'm just worthless. I just should have never been born. You know, I have these problems. And we would have never known his name. But he pushed back against that. And we can push back too. You know, we make a lot of bumper stickers and bookmarks of things that Jesus said. And there's one promise Jesus made I've never seen on a bumper sticker, never seen a poster, never seen a nice wallpaper, you know, or a big screen at church where Jesus promised, in this world you will have tribulation. That was a promise he made. Fortunately, he went on to say, but I have overcome the world. But we all have tribulation. But we don't have to just say, oh, well, I guess there's no opportunity for me. What large thing are you asking God for? Are you asking God to expand your influence? William Carey, the great missionary, he said, attempt great things from God. Expect great things from God. We have this awesome God that we talked about last night. Is he wringing his hands and going, oh, well, you have this problem. You have this situation. No, he sovereignly allowed that into your life so that you can overcome that. In fact, the stories we love of people we learn about who overcome to create something or to win an award or something, we admire them. If they had had an easy life and everything had come easy, we wouldn't admire them. They become great stories because of what they overcome. 
D.L. Moody, the founder of Moody Bible Institute, where I went to college, and the Moody Church. He was one of the founders of the YMCA, which has since kind of, no one even knows it's Young Men's Christian Association anymore. Um, But he once, as a young man, when he became a Christian, he said, the world is yet to see what God can do through a man completely yielded to him. By God's grace, I will be that man. And look at the impact he had on the world, simply because he wanted to see what could God do through somebody who's completely yielded to him. Dio Moody was not talented. He didn't speak well. He had horrible grammar. He wasn't very attractive. He had everything going against him, except he said, I'm going to fully do whatever God wants me to do, and I'm going to leave the results to God. Bruce Wilkinson, in that that book on the prayer of Jabez that I should have wrote, he said, attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. Have you ever tried something crazy? Gotten some big idea? You'll get that if you get together with your friends and your ministry and you pray and you say, what ridiculous thing could we do to reach kids in our church and community that we're guaranteed to fail unless God steps in? I love sharing stories of the miracles God's done through Kidology, and I love hearing great stories from others who say, man, we got this crazy idea, and we just threw it out there. We just prayed about it. We started talking to people, and then God made incredible things happen. Third, we need to ask ourselves, am I allowing God to guide me, or am I allowing, uh, relying on my own strength? You know, one of the downsides of having talent and abilities is that we can coast. We can just rely on our talents. And when, when I was a young man and I started performing and doing magic shows and having what you might call success, my dad made me memorize 1 Corinthians 4-7. And he made me re- repeat it to him often. And it was, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you had not received it? He wanted me to understand that any talent, any gift that I had, it was given to me by God. It had nothing to do with me. So I can never brag, I can never be proud, I just need to use those gifts to serve God and leave the results up to Him. You see, this is not a matter of pride. Sometimes we think, well, you know, that's kind of a big ego to say, God, expand my borders. No, it's saying, God, I want to fulfill the purpose for my life. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, this awesome God, you are His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not just created in Christ Jesus, created for a purpose, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that mind-blowing? When God created you in advance, before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye, God said, I've got a plan. I have good works for them. I've prepared in advance something amazing that they're going to do. And so he created you. So we have this awesome opportunity to experience that. In John 15, Jesus says, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we have to stay connected to Jesus. He wants to produce fruit in our lives. But you might be thinking, yeah, Carl, it's easier for you to say. You got this big website. I, I, I get people who have these big ministries or written these books or they're pastors at, at great churches, but I'm just a Sunday school teacher. Or, you know, I'm just a, a Wednesday night club leader 
Or my, my church only has like 20 kids in it. And so we start to evaluate our significance based on numbers. But God does not weigh us based on sphere of influence. Have you ever heard of Edward Kimball? Probably not. Anyone here heard of Edward Kimball? Sometimes I get one hand, maybe two if they've heard me speak before. Edward Kimball, we have no pictures of him. We have no bio of him. All we know is that he was a Sunday school teacher back in the late 1800s at a very small church with a very small class. And yet he was passionate that every child in his class would become a Christian or would have to reject Christ because he was going to make sure they had that point of decision. We had one little boy in his class whose attendance was sporadic. He actually had to work. They didn't have you know child labor laws back then, so he often couldn't come to church because he was working. But this teacher decided he was going to pursue him. So after a few weeks of a missing church, he went to his the shoe shop where he worked, and he asked to see him, and he went in the back room, and he sat this boy down, and he shared the gospel with him. And this little boy named Dwight became a Christian. In fact, Edward Kimball had written in his personal journal, of all my students, Dwight shows the least potential for the kingdom of God. This was that troublesome kid, this unwanted kid, you know, kid with any potential future, yet he figured at least we can get him saved. (laughs) Maybe there's hope. You've got kids like that in your class, don't you? Dwight Lyman Moody, who became the Billy Graham of 100 years before Billy Graham came on the scene. See, we measure our ministry by the size and the scope, and if we have a good logo and website traffic. God doesn't measure that way. See, he doesn't care about how many Facebook friends you have or if they hit like and comment, right? We, we, on social media, we're like, oh, I, I'll make this really great witty joke and like, no one likes it. I don't get any likes. Or, I'm like, I thought that thing would go viral. Then I'll post, like when I was getting glasses, I posted, you know, a question about transitions, progressives and all this and bifold, you know, and I had like f- over 50 comments in an hour. I went viral over getting glasses. I mean, what is that? You know, when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't talking about Twitter. It's not about how many Instagram likes we have or the size of our ministry. God's success comes simply from fulfilling what God has for us. Because I have been blessed to have a ministry that that lots of people go to this website from all over the world, go to Kidology, and they get ideas, and they get encouraged, and they, they find resources, and that's a real blessing. And so I'll have people then, they want to interview me, and here I get to speak. Ooh, it's so great. I love this opportunity. But don't mistake notoriety with success. A couple years ago, I was at the Children's Pastors Conference, and a fellow said, is there any chance I could just sit down and, and interview you? I'm try- I've got a list of people that I admire and I look up to. And I said, of course, I'd love to do that. So we sat down, and we began to talk. And I said, well, can I ask you a couple questions first? I said, what, how, how, what's the size of your church? And he tells me. How long have you been in ministry? And he tells me. What's your education, he tells me. He had more education, more experience, a larger ministry. On every way we evaluate ministries, he had me beat. I said, I should be interviewing you. Don't confuse a big website with knowing all the answers. That's just God's blessing. I'm just doing what God called me to do, but it has nothing to do with me knowing more, being smarter or godly or more successful than you. And he told me of the people he interviewed, I was the only one that asked him any questions. And he left so encouraged. I've had people come to me and they want to know, well, Carl, how do you establish a brand? How do you grow a ministry? And I say, I don't know how to grow a ministry. All I know is how to follow God. I don't care how big the ministry is. 
Success is not the size of your ministry. It's following God's calling for your life. I had so many people asking me, can you talk about how to increase your sphere of influence or, or how to do marketing? And it started to bother me because, like, I never set out for that. I was just a green thumb children's pastor who had no clue what to do, was a little nerdy and started playing on the Internet. My biggest advantage is that I was first. It's like a snowball going down a hill, and it just kept going, and other people started making snowballs, and mine was just bigger because it started earlier. And by God's grace, I've been able to do what God called me to do. So one night I woke up in the middle of the night, and I'm not a poet. I don't pretend to be a poet, but, but some things, words, some phrases were just going through my mind, and I had to capture them. And so I'll just share with you what I wrote that night as I struggled with some friends and colleagues wanting what they perceived that I had. You know, um, getting listed on 100 top blogs or getting to contribute to a book. and go, How do I do that? I'm like, you don't pursue that. So here's what I wrote. I called it, I am free. I've given up the need to be needed. It doesn't matter if I matter. It's no longer important to be important. I give up the right to be right. I won't notice if I'm not noticed. Being significant is no longer significant. I won't demand to be in demand. It won't impact my world if I don't impact the world. I won't feel dry if I can't make a splash. My purpose isn't to have a purpose. I've had enough of not having enough. I choose to be a human being, not a human doing. I traded the race for a simple embrace of life. I live only to have truly lived as a child of God. I am free of me. And I, I don't live up to that, but that's my, that's my prayer. That's what I want. Because we seek significance. It's the wrong thing to seek. I get really annoyed at how people today, they, they, especially politicians, talk about working on their legacy, perfecting their legacy, enhancing their legacy. Legacy is not something you pursue. It's not the goal. It's the result of an amazing life. I just got to go to Mount Rushmore for the first time a couple of weeks ago doing some training there, and it was so cool to see those huge stone heads, this memorial to these great men who were founders of our country and did amazing things as presidents. Do you think George Washington was thinking, I'm going to cross this Delaware with these tired, worn out, suffering guys and do this final battle because maybe I'll get my head on a mountain someday. You know, did Abraham Lincoln write the Emancipation Proclamation thinking, wow, this is going to make my presidency be one of the top ones. He did it because it was right. He did it because God convicted him. The legacy comes later. So we don't pursue significance. We seek to follow God. Whatever his call is on our life. Edward Kimball was not hoping to create one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the church. He just cared about a boy in his class who needed God. The legacy. Edward Kimball would never dream that his name would be mentioned at a conference over a hundred years later. But that wasn't his goal. You see, success is simply following God's plan for your life. The significance is the result. You know, I read to you again, Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you have that memorized? How many people have verses 12 and 13 memorized? See, we stop at the end of that great verse. God's got a great plan for my life. Cool. It's a conditional verse. See, hardly anyone reads the next few verses. 
I know the plans I have for you. They're great plans. They're awesome plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, there's a condition to that great promise. It's not just, yeah, I have an awesome plan for your life. Go enjoy it. No, you need to call on me. You need to talk to me. You need to seek me with your whole heart. Then that promise comes to be. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about the sphere. We have this awesome opportunity to fulfill what God has for our life. I was a crazy kid. I was probably ADHD, X, Y, Z, W. I mean, they didn't have all these letters and everything. And I was always in trouble for this unbridled energy and crazy um, creativity. And my mom used to always grab my head. It was the only way she'd get me to look at her. She would just grab my head and go, Carl, whenever you get all this energy focused in one direction, watch out world. And so I always believed deep down I wasn't a screw-up, even though a lot of people thought I was. But some, but God had a plan for me. And my mom just kept beating that into me. My mom passed away the year I started kidology. And she had, she had no idea, unless, you know, they give her updates in heaven, that all that creative energy, crazy energy, has been channeled. And it's, and it's impacting people in children's ministry all over the world. But it's because that's what God made me to do. That's what he prepared in advance for me to do. There's a lot of other wonderful things I could have done, but that's the one thing God called me to do. What has God called you to do? If you will embrace that, if you will seek him with your whole heart, if you will call on him, watch out world. You may be an Edward Kimball. You may not be remembered by many, but there could be a Dwight in your class. There could be an impact on your world. In fact, not if. There is an impact on eternity in the sphere of influence God gives you. Don't worry about the size. Worry about following God, doing what he's called you to do, and watch out world. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you didn't just create this world as a painting just to be something beautiful to look at. Lord, you created it with a purpose. And you created us with a purpose. And Lord, every single person in this room, if we could read your mind, if we could know your mind, we could see the incredible plans, the thoughts you have for each and every one of them, plans to prosper them, not to harm you, not to harm them. Lord, how amazing to think of the impact on this world in Canada and beyond when these folks embrace what you created them to be and to do. Lord, help us to seek you and to follow you And Lord, not to seek significance, but to seek the success that comes simply from doing what you created us to do. And our legacy and our significance will come as a result. That's our desire. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining me here on Kidman Talk. I hope that message was encouraging to you. If it was, please let me know. I love hearing from those who enjoy this podcast. You want to make my day, just drop me a tweet, drop me an email, and let me know how Kidology has equipped 
and encourage you in your children's ministry. Remember, you can reach me on Twitter at Kidologist or at Kidman Talk. You can email me directly, Carl at KidmanTalk.com. And if there's a topic you would like me to address in the future or just something you're needing or looking for for your ministry, please do let us know. We are here to serve you. Next podcast is the third message, Awesome Community. We're not in this alone.